Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before my like singing career really took off, I was just having a blog like every other girl did. At least in Sweden, everybody had a blog. Really? Like, everybody. What kind of things did you put on the blog? It was like the OG Instagram. It was yeah. just like, hey, like, <laughs> chilling. <laughs> and then you would write a little, like, I was at an interview, podcast today, it was great. Blah, 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 blah. Just, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a Facebook mom. Yeah. Huge, long caption and a lot of pictures. Yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to Love Lives, a podcast from The Independent where I, Olivia Petter, will be speaking to different guests about the different loves of their lives, the stories behind them, and what that love has taught them about themselves and their place in the world. Today, I am honored to be joined by the brilliant Zara Larson. She is one of the biggest pop stars working today. She is known for her energizing pop anthems and record-breaking hits like Never Forget You and Lush Life. She has been nominated for Brits and MTV EMAs and has just released her latest single, End of Time. She was recently described as entering her icon era by Vogue Scandinavia. All this, and she is just 25. I cannot wait to talk to her all about her career so far, her music, and the different loves of her life. So, hello, Zara. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. It's honestly like rattling off all the things you've done. It's yeah. crazy to think it's that. A good intro. Thank you. <laughs> um, like I said in the intro, you kind of just released your latest single, yeah. End of Time. I know that the music video for this one was really special for you and it kind of took you a while to write this song. And in the video, we kind of see you with this small blonde girl who looks like a younger version of you in what looks like a somewhat unstable home life. But I know that the song is about kind of visiting your younger self as an adult and all of the things that you would kind of talk to them about. Tell us why this song is so important to you and, you know, what your vision was for that special video. So um, first of all, I want to start off by saying I unfortunately didn't write the song. I worked with uh, Rick Knowles a lot on this album and um, Casey Smith, who wrote the song. Mm -hmm. So we have a few songs coming out together, but um, the one day that I wasn't in the studio, they were just in there together, them two. And then when I got back, they were like, we want to play you a song. Um, and it was end of time. And I think the song in itself is just a very passionate love song, which is about loving someone until the end of time. Um, quite dramatic. And um, because I wasn't, I still want to be a part of creating my story in a way. So I don't always write my songs. I try to. I think it's really fun. But everything is so visual these days as well. So because I didn't write the song, I really wanted to write the story of the video and the visual, the visual story. And I just figured instead of having, you know, me and like a boy and we would love each other, you know, 
I wanted to do something else and I wanted to have, um, I wanted to portray one of the strongest loves in my life, which is the love for performing and um, singing and dancing. And I've just always felt that in me since I was, I, I mean, I can't even remember since I was so young and um, just portraying me in my bedroom, kind of escaping everyday life, um, just being in my own world in front of the mirror and uh, imagining and visualizing being on stage as I would grow older. It would just be all, all of my days would consist of that. <laughs> so um, that's kind of the story of the video. A younger version of me or just a younger girl having big dreams, kind of living the life we wanted to portray like kind of a family home, which isn't perfect because I don't think any family is perfect, mm. but I didn't want it to be too sad, but I wanted it to feel relatable and, um, you know, just something that I felt growing up. So it, it, felt, it felt like a really nice story. And I'm happy we went that way because performing is definitely one of my biggest loves in life. Mm. And because of the message of the song and the video, of like going back to your younger self and kind of, or just, you know, anyone's younger self and telling, telling a young child, you know, I don't know, giving them some sort of thing to cling on to when things are difficult at home or wherever. Do you, do you have any idea what you would want to say to your younger self maybe before you kind of entered this industry? Because I know you were so young. Yeah. But if you could go back now and kind of say something to that like pre, you know, professional musician you yeah. as a kid, what would you say? Honestly, I don't know if I have anything to say. I was so strong and confident as a kid. I just knew exactly what I wanted to do. Nobody could tell me otherwise. And sometimes I feel, you know, my my grandma, she passed away not too long ago and we were looking at her stuff that she had in her house. She's you no know, cleaning out her apartment. And she had these photo albums, but they were just filled with cutouts from like interviews that I had done, and, which is so cute. Cause these days, like I wouldn't do that. If I would save an interview, maybe you print screen. Yeah. You just have it in your phone. But she, you know, she's old school. So she cut out every single interview or every single picture that she ever saw of me in a magazine. And uh, it could be a good article or a bad article, but she would save everything. And as I was, you know, flipping through those pages and just looking at myself and, and seen an interview from me being 14 or 15 when I was just releasing my first original song, um, I felt like, I felt inspired by myself, by the younger version of me, because everything was so clear. It was just so obvious mm -hmm. that I had this one thing that I wanted to do and um, I wasn't gonna let anybody tell me otherwise. And sometimes now when I'm 25, um, I can feel myself more, not doubting, but you know, you realize that life, life is hard and tricky and it's not black and white. And uh, when you're young, you have your whole life in front of you and I still got time, I know that, but it's different like feeling, you know, I'm grown, like I have responsibilities. I have, um, like I gotta take care of myself, but I don't know if I have anything to say to my younger self more than, it, 
go girl. <laughs> you know? Um, it's so sweet to hear you talk like that because I think it's so rare that we get to hear that insight into that total kind of blind optimism yeah. that we all kind of have as kids. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're growing up and like, I want to be a pop star. <laughs> yeah. But like you actually went and did it so, so yeah. young. So I want to kind of go back a bit and ask you how you made it happen, how you got into this industry. I mentioned you started yeah. when you were like 10 because you won a talent contest in mm -hmm. Sweden. But tell us about that and, and how that kind of, you know, uh, kickstarted everything else. Yeah, I mean, actually, as we're speaking today, I just saw a tweet saying like, it was 15 years ago that she won, you know, yeah, a, yeah somebody tagged me on Twitter. And I was like, that is insane. Like 15 years ago, time flies. So I kind of started my career, I guess you would say on that show, like Sweetest Got Talent. Um, and I was so excited to just be an artist, you know? But as we all know, Winning a competition like that doesn't necessarily guarantee you mm. anything. Yeah, It's just a show, really. It's just like good TV. Yeah. And then the next year, there's a new winner. And then the year after that, there's a new winner. So, But I walked in and I was like, okay, boom, it's happening. <laughs> you know. And after that, I won, which was so exciting and so amazing. I was ready to like get to work. And nobody wanted to sign me. I went to all the record labels and they were like, you're too young. I, I even mean, you, went you were 11, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense now. But I was stressing and I was so sad and I was like, my career is over. I'm never going to be anything. <laughs> um, I feel like I was more stressed back then than I am now. Because yeah. I just wanted to like travel places, perform, be on stage. That's where my true love's at. Like be on stage, entertain people see them have a good time um, and all of that. So it was very stressful for me. But then <laughs> at 14, I got signed. Um, I think, I don't know if the talent show actually helped me out per se, but I guess life is a chain of events. So me and my mom actually went and watched the Swedish Idol competition. So we were in the crowd. And then during the commercial breaks, you could go up to the... Uh, judges and like get their autographs so we did that and then my mom was like do you recognize her do you recognize this girl and I was like shut up mom <laughs> and uh, one of the judges Laila Baguette she was like yeah of course I know you I think you're amazing you're so talented so and then um my mom was like can we get your email or something and she gave out her email so we emailed her and we didn't really think she was gonna reply back but she actually did and she worked with me for a year she was actually the one who took me and and saw record because I didn't have any contacts to like my my family isn't a music at all um I didn't grow up like in a musical family or people with connections so it was basically uh my mom who was just being a little cheeky at this you know commercial break and in the, in the live studio and uh, we emailed her, she got back to us, and she introduced me to my label, 10, in Sweden, which was an independent kind of small label. And they took me on at 13. Still very, you know, they were like, oh, you're very young, but we could work for you, we could work with you. Mm -hmm. And then at 15, I released my first song, and it went so well. And I think it was on cover, it's called, and it was just released in Sweden first, and then it just kind of organically traveled down in Europe. Um, and I just remember posting the video for it on YouTube, which was kind of like a one-shot, camera was still, I was just singing into the mic in the studio, like 
budget was zero and uh it just kind of took off and i think it was before youtube had those algorithms and stuff so whatever was kind of trending was on this like start page you know and um and then it took off on the radio and i think i was just really really lucky like I, it was just happening the right thing was happening at the right time for me at that moment um because i could have posted and just had like 43 views yeah my family and my friends but something happened there and it was obviously like a beautiful song um i didn't write that but it was the first song that i heard that i was like oh yeah i'm putting this out and i also knew I, i'm very thankful for 10 working with them because they really listened to me mm. um it had drums in the beginning it's a completely different song and i was like let's take out the drums i just want this to be a ballad which is kind of different from what i do today like if you've heard my music you probably wouldn't think of like oh the ballad girl but <laughs> you know i started out really just take out the drums and they were like no we can't do this um no one's releasing songs without any any drums and i was just like well that's how i want it you know so we just kind of did it and it went really well so I think luck combined with having people that I worked with that were listening to me because at the end of the day as well like if I did release it and it didn't do well I always say this but if you do something you are happy about and proud of you can't really lose yeah I think anything with anything creativity based I think you have yeah. to just ultimately let the universe take control of the success yeah. of it and just think as long as I feel proud of this mm -hmm. then like you said then it's then it's a success because if you, you release something that you don't like and then if it goes well pff, oh I, I always knew I love that song blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but if it doesn't yeah. then it's like flop yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean then you feel terrible but I've I've been really I've I'm so happy that they were always like hearing me out, listening to me because I've heard some nightmare stories about record labels just trying to really shape a person into what they're not. Mm -hmm. um, but even being so young, and then through ten the label in in Sweden, the record company, they licensed um, the music to Sony worldwide so I got signed to Epic and uh, I was thrown in rooms with like amazing writers um, amazing stylists amazing choreographers amazing everyone was a professional and you're like, still a teenager still a teenager yeah like 15 16 at this point so maybe 17 and it wasn't like they were again like everything just became so much bigger at this point so it was this not this familiar like family style you know independent label it was like a big machine and um i don't think they were trying to change me i i think they were just genuinely trying to help me but when you are being put in like a room with let's say like five writers who all have number ones it just made me feel like what can i say that will be better than anything you say like i like i don't like ooh, I, i became a little intimidated and um it was just kind of hard for me to like it was harder for me to think what what do i like what do i like because i trust you guys mm -hmm. so if you say this is like amazing then it, it probably like 
You know what I mean? Yeah, was... I do. I think I think it's the antithesis of what this all starts out mm -hmm. as, right? Because like I think with any creative exercise that you do, whether it's, you know, songwriting, novel writing, you know, screenwriting, whatever, it starts off as a creative endeavor, something yeah. that is true to you. But then the further along you get and the more success you get, the more you're constantly reminded that this is a business. Yeah. This is like a commercial enterprise. Yeah. And you will have all these people in big rooms kind of telling you, well, this is what's gonna make you yeah. money. And this is, yeah. and it's like, but that's not what I started to do <laughs> no. this for. So I think it's probably quite hard to reconcile those two things, particularly when you're so young. Totally. And I do want success and I wanted success. And, um, I have always had huge respect for like authorities or just older people, especially always being the youngest person in the room, which is no longer true in every scenario. Because sometimes I walk in and I'm like, oh, I would love to write with this person. I just think they're amazing. And then I'm like, they're fucking 18. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so wild. But growing up was just always like the baby. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just, it, but again, I think I had, um, I was still, I was still with 10 and they would always back me up. They would always be like, whatever you want to do. And I think that was really, really important for me. But, um, cause I didn't start off writing. Mm -hmm. My love is performing. But then after a while, I just figured like, of course I, I want to be part of that process too. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I've also gotten to the point where now I've done it for a few years and I've just realized that I don't work well with 10 people in the room and I don't care how many hits you have I want to sit with somebody that I feel really comfortable with comfortable that I could share my like thoughts and ideas and you know um I don't want it to be more than two people mm. and it sounds like you had such a strong sense of yourself which I think is so important when you're kind of thrust into those environments as a young girl as a, as a teenage woman particularly mm -hmm. as a teenage girl in particular did you, I know you kind of said that you didn't really have anyone trying to kind of morph you into a version of yourself that you weren't, but were there ever any people you encountered? Because it's so common in, in the industry, or at least it used to be, for women to be kind of subjected to so much criticism and sort of manipulation about like yeah. their appearance and yeah. what they wear and all They that were kind trying. Of stuff. I think if I was not um, backed up by my Swedish record company, it would have been a completely different story. Um, and again, I think these companies, they're not going out of their way to like purposely be mean. Mm -hmm. They just want to make money. Like they, and then, in the, and that's like um, kind of a, maybe they sometimes could be mean, but they're not doing it for the purpose of being mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I think, um, I, I definitely had to really put my foot down in certain situations and it, it, it's certain things have been very uncomfortable, but then it has been very nice to like look to my right or look to my left and see like, you guys got me. Because if I didn't have that and if my mom, like my mom was in the room with me all the time, like wherever I went and um, she just, not recently, but when I turned like 21-ish, she kind of backed off a little bit, but I I always have someone around me, even in sessions, uh, unless I know the person very well, because I have been in enough situations where I'm like, I'm really not comfortable right now, and you're telling me 
things that I should do or shouldn't do, or it's just straight up very inappropriate. Or I think a lot of people who have power in the industry, they know they do. They know they have power. And a lot of people abuse that. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of turns them on. Not necessarily because they really want to sleep with you. They just want to, they just want you to know that I have the power to make you uncomfortable mm -hmm. right now. And that's what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Do you still, I mean, because I, well, you know, when I, when I talk to anyone in the public eye in any way who started out very young as a woman, like whether they are an artist or a model or, you know, it's like, the the gears kind of change when you get very commercially successful and very kind of and you know very famous mm -hmm. but when you're younger it's like people think that they can still kind of exploit you and take advantage of you and you hear these stories in the music industry all the time does that still happen did you notice a time when that kind of stopped happening and have you ever been like you know you said you've experienced like people saying inappropriate things making you feel really uncomfortable have you ever kind of gone to the next step of like reporting behavior or like complaining in any kind of formal way? No, but it's so fucked up that some of the things that have happened have been so obvious and it has happened like in front of other people. And what kind of thing? Like inappropriate we could, comments? We could like be sitting like, at a dinner. Yeah. And there's all these people that I know and that everybody knows and then it could be like, you know, somebody's putting a hand on, on my thigh or saying like, like, I'm going to come to your hotel room and I'm going to do like, what well, get, getting like way too close and personal, keep touching. And it's like, you all see this, like this is happening right in front of you guys, but no one says anything because it's not to the point where if I would have gone to the police and said what? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not illegal, it's not criminal, but those like minor things, when you stack them on top of each other and it like happens and it's just, it's just casual, you know, it's not that deep. Which is what they would say if you, you know complained. What I mean? So it's all these like very gray scale or if you're in the studio with people and it's like you and one other person that it feels like, whoa, you know, like something could really happen here. Um, but no, I've never reported anything. And I feel like that's, they know that you can't. And um, yeah, if I didn't have, there are certain people I know, like I would never be alone with you. Like I just know I would never be in a room alone with you. And, and that's that what because I'm saying. There, there are certain people that other people say, don't be alone. And yeah, like, I just know, like, like yeah. I just know the vibe. And I would just always bring my manager. I would always have my mom. Like I would have somebody there to make sure that, um, I'm safe yeah. because for a lot of, and I'm lucky enough that I've been able to have that because a lot of people, you know, they travel far and uh, you end up in a room and you just want to make your dreams come true and you do whatever it takes. Yeah. And then you're like put in this uncomfortable situation and sometimes they make you feel like, well, if you want it, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's crazy to think that it, yeah. it sounds like such a cliche almost, for lack of a better word, I but it, of course it happens. It does, like, it does happen. And I think, um, I think it's obviously not restricted to the music industry. I think no, this happens yeah. everywhere for, for a lot of women. Um, but it definitely is, is sad because you are just playing with somebody's dream and, and, and they're, like integ I don't know. It's it's uh it's it's a very strange it's a very strange 
industry and world for sure. Um, and especially, I wouldn't really say I've gotten to the point where people wouldn't try me. Um, I think it actually changed starting in the industry so young. I think it definitely, I felt such a shift from when I was 17 to 18 because I now mean. I'm legal. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is so creepy. So but that almost invited other. Yeah. Kind of Which is like, you're, f you're a fucking old man. Like, why are you even looking at me like that? But I really felt a shift as turning 18. It was like, whoa. Yeah. But now I've just, I've just made my circle smaller and I know that um, there's of course amazing people in the industry too and, and great and great people to work with but just for you know my own kind of protection and my own like peace just want to keep it small making an album it's been really nice to have um, a small group of people that I've been writing most of it with and it's also nice because the more you work with somebody then the the closer you can get to them and the more comfortable you are and the more you can share and mm. make it just <coughs> more authentic. Mm. Um, your, um, I want to ask about one of your other recent singles, Can't Tame Her, because yeah. it's kind of alluding to what yeah. we've been talking about. The lyrics are like, you can't tie her down, you can't change her. And I think it reflects how outspoken you've been throughout your career and how, you know, like, like I said, like self-assured you are. And you know, you have spoken out, spoken out about issues in the music industry and, you know, political issues. And a lot of musicians don't do that because, you know, fear of retribution or whatever, or alienating fans. What is it that makes you feel compelled to speak out against something? And is there anything in particular that, like one issue that you feel gets you particularly kind of riled up in a way and you think this is something I should use my platform to talk about? Well, I've just always been a very opinionated person. And um, before my like singing career really took off, I was just having a blog like every other girl did. At least in Sweden, everybody had a blog. Really? Like what kind of things did you put on the blog? It was like the OG Instagram. It was yeah. just like, hey, like <laughs> chilling. <laughs> and then you would write a little like, I was at an interview podcast today. It was great. Blah, 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 blah. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Facebook mom, yeah. huge long caption and a lot of pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I would have that. And then as I would grow older from being, you know, 13 to maybe 16, like a lot of stuff was happening in me internally and externally. I realized like, oh, wow, the world is like unequal. <laughs> it never really dawned on me because I was never thinking about that stuff. I was just like a kid. And then I grew up, I changed school. I went to the Royal Swedish Ballet School before, which was just um, run by girls, it was majority girls. So we were just having a sisterhood kind of vibe. And then changed school, it was so different. Um, and I just realized that <gasps> feminism is so necessary and important. Um, and I think I got really sucked into it by these amazing writers. Um, in, in 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 Sweden, and specifically one per, one person who's extremely radical, and she was just saying like, "I hate men," and I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> because as I was starting to talk more about the importance of equality and the, you know my new thoughts that I had just found, um, as I was talking about that on my blog, I got a lot of negative comments towards that. And they would usually come from men. And I would just be like, why are you so 
I don't know, like mad about that. Why are you mad at me for saying that it exists rather than, you know, helping me and other women work towards it not existing? Mm-hmm. Um, and that would just kind of fuel the fire to, <laughs> to what I was feeling. Because I think also being a teenager, everything's very black and white. You have these strong emotions. You are finding yourself. You're finding your um, kind of purpose in a way. But also your belief system is really being molded. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found, found my voice in a lot of strong people on social media. And I think usually what I was writing about and how I feel is very reactionary. So it wouldn't be just out of nowhere. It would be to a response Mm -hmm. on a comment from a man. Or it would be, you know, I mean, people are saying this now, but it really wasn't like a mainstream thing. I think when men hate women, they, they beat us, they murder us, they rape us. And when women hate men, it's just a reaction saying I hate that you are doing this to us yeah I think it's 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 interesting because to some people it does seem really black and white and really simplistic but there is a truth in it and I think the truth in it is like you said it's it's the rage yeah. and the the rage at the injustice of yeah. all of the things that you because it's hard to it's hard to to swallow that like it's it made me I was an angry teenager and that made me so mad to realize how the world looks and how the world functions. And the fact that, you know, I just saw in the, in the taxi on the way here, this um, woman being stabbed to death in India. And it's all these guys just around watching it happen. And it just made me so mad. But really what it makes me is, it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. It is so sad. But that emotion is like, is too hard to walk around with all the time. So to really make something happen, I think anger is more of a emotion to get things going. To It's more of a, you know, let's get to action. If I would just walk around thinking about all the terrible things that are happening to women and be sad, I don't even know if I could get out of bed. Like, it's really, it's just tragic. So it, it fueled like an anger in me and I just wanted to do something about it. And I wanted to create like, a debate or a discussion. Actually, no, I, that was never my goal. It just became a discussion and a topic. And for a long time, people were talking way more about what I was saying um, on my blog than about my music. Um, but that was just how I felt. And I think now I don't have my blog anymore and I'm still standing very strong in my opinions. And obviously it's like oh, I don't hate all men but like I, I I hate the patriarchy and I hate what it does to the world and all of that but um I'm very proud and I'm 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 looking back like I was looking through the the photo album that my grandma had I'm looking back at it and I'm like I was just how how could I be so strong because now now when I see like stuff on Twitter and people just like argue with me I have no, I have no, I have no energy. 
There's no point either <laughs> no. because it's just there are people on there that just yeah. want to fight and they're just really? looking for someone. Yeah. You know, they're really angry. They're really yeah. sad. They're really lonely. Yeah. They're looking for that like, channel and so someone to true. kind of project all their stuff onto. And all you're going to do by engaging is just feeding their own misery. Yeah. And then and then subsequently your own because and they'll they fight about like, things I would at wake you. up in the middle of the night uh, for a long time and just like be so anxious and like what have people what are they writing to me because they were they were like oh, it was really tough at one point and a majority of these men that were just hating me were like older than my dad and I'm like why are you how can you be so bothered by a teenager it's it blows my mind um but it just it kind of proves my point that it's like wow you really you just hate a girl who has a voice and who are is expressing herself um but like you say especially on the internet it's just really hard to have a nuanced debate I feel like it's kind of impossible. I think it is kind of impossible. Unfortunately, yeah. it would be so much better if we could have a nuanced debate, but it just that doesn't lend itself to internet no. culture, you know. But you know, look at something like TikTok, which is, you know, the most popular kind of social channel at the moment. It's all about that like quick, instant, like yeah. 10 second video. Yeah. So it's like you can't have yeah. a political debate in 10 seconds. You can't no. make a complicated point in 10 seconds. Totally. Totally. So, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. But I am applauding and I am just, you know, in awe of the people who are still having that energy. And I, I really want to thank like a lot of people who had my back during that time in my life because it was really it felt like yeah it was it was hard and I don't think I realized how hard it was since I was in it but then when I got out of it and I started to like okay like I'm not gonna write on my blog and I, it wasn't an active choice it was just I just stopped updating literally updating or literally updated and then it just faced out and now I look back at that time and I'm like how did I even have the strength to just do that I when don't was know it that you that you put it to one side kind of like uh 20 yeah and uh the people the OGs the people who know me especially in Sweden like they 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 know me they know what I think about things and I'm still I'm still firm in in my opinions and beliefs but well you are I mean the next thing I was going to ask you about because I think it reflects the choices you made in your career was that you recently did a deal with Sony and your own label to kind of own all of your own music yeah and when I read that it reminded me of what Taylor Swift did when she yeah. kind of tried to buy back all of her stuff and is now re-releasing her albums I think to someone outside of the industry people would be like wait why don't you own all your own music already and also why is it so important as a woman in this industry to, to own your yeah. music? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Why does an artist own their music? And it's so sad. And I think uh, the Taylor Swift situation is really what inspired, you. so I was talking about 10 earlier, and they, um, the, the guy who owned the company, Ola, he wanted to sell it. And he called me, I was the first person he called to ask, are you interested in buying your masters, owning your music? And I said, of course I am. And not a lot of people get that opportunity. And if he wasn't up for selling it, you know, it would still be, it wouldn't be mine right now. Um, but it's it's such a weird thing that you make this music and you sing on these songs and you make this art and it's still not really yours to have control over because he had just seen 
what happened with Taylor Swift. And uh, he was just mortified and felt like, I don't want that to be a thing. And I'd rather go out being a nice person. Um, Cause he got money, like he's fine. A lot of people are just, they're just greedy. And sometimes people sell to investment capital companies and people who are not interested in music at all. But it's just like, it's like buying a stock. But then you're also buying somebody's whole life and all the time and energy they put into that. Um, so he was just like, I never want Taylor, the Taylor Swift thing to be a thing. Do you want it? And I said, absolutely, I do. Thank you so much. Um, and I wish that could happen for more artists, mm. of course. And I think even for the songs that I didn't write, like End of Time or even Lush Life, I didn't write that track, but I just, I loved it. And it's such a part of my identity as an artist. And that song is me, you know what I mean? That song is like one of the biggest things that have happened to me in my life. So the fact that I have control over it and no one can kind of take it away from me or um, the company, a record company can say, oh, well, well, we're just gonna, this person wants to, like Drake calls out, he's like, I want a sample Lush Life. That's still like my work, but I wouldn't get a dime from that because I wasn't creating it. But now I feel like, I have it in my home, I have it in my house, and it's mine, and it's my baby, and I can take care of it, and I can kind of have control and power over what I want my music to be like, or go towards, or um, if it's in a movie, if it's in this, because that song is me. It's like an extension of me as an artist. So I'm just really happy that I got that opportunity, and I just feel like, a powerful businesswoman. <laughs> yeah, but it <laughs> is. Know? It is. It's a powerful business decision. Yeah. And it's crazy that that isn't the norm that people, totally. you know, these huge stars release yeah. these songs and they have no control over no where they go or how they're used. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, God, there's so much else I want to ask you. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, one more thing before we move on to your, to your loves. Um, in an interview with British Vogue, you were asked to cite one of your favorite quotes and you yeah. gave this one from Lady Gaga, which I'm going to read. Some women choose to follow men and some women choose to follow their dreams. If you're wondering which way to go, remember that your career will never wake up and tell you that it doesn't love you anymore. Yeah. Such a great quote. Why it's, did you why did you choose that? I just think it's so good. I don't feel like it needs much it doesn't need an explanation. Yeah. It's very straight on. Um, but I think for a lot of for a lot of women, a lot of young girls out there, um, the, the biggest thing should be to follow your goals and dreams mm -hmm. and what you want to do in life and how you want to live your life. I think to cater to a man is a little dangerous mm -hmm. and you never know where you're going to end up. Uh, I think to just have it going for yourself and to live life in your true purpose. And then if you, a man comes along, amazing. Good for you. Whoever comes along, whoever you want to date, good for you. But it's so unpredictable isn't it mm. and um and it can happen without you realizing that totally. you're doing it because it's what we're kind of socially conditioned yeah. to do and i feel like totally and i feel like for a lot of people um these days sometimes i see on tiktok like how to i don't know what's up with my algorithm but it's like you know the the lady oh what's it sprinkle sprinkle it's like how to date a rich man sprinkle sprinkle and i'm really? like interesting because in a way 
I see this new wave of young girls wanting to like, well, I'm just, I'm a girl, I'm amazing, and I should be treated as a princess. And I'm like, yes, you should, queen. But also, you should be in the power of, of, of wanting to do that for yourself. Because if you depend on somebody else to do that for you, then again, it's just very unpredictable. And you, you just never know where you're going to end up. But I think um, the, the generations before us who were very dependent on a man working, a man making the money, bringing home the, the bread, basically. It didn't give women any opportunities to do anything with their lives. And then if you're in a relationship and you are dependent on that person, then they can kind of have, they have a lot of power over you. Um, I mean, just to have economic power over someone can be really e an easy way into economic abuse. And like, well, you can't do this because I'm the one making the money. Or, well, I don't want to spend it on that because I'm the one, you, you know what I mean? I think to have control over your own life is so important. Um, and for a lot of women, they can't even like afford to really get a divorce if they're not happy or it doesn't even have to be as dramatic as being in an abusive relationship. It could just be a simple fact that I'm not happy. This is not what I want for myself. And then you're sitting there thinking, well, what can I do? You know, I, I don't have a job where I took care of the kids and now I'm kind of stuck. And I have a lot of people, you know, I'm just looking at my 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 you know, family, like a standard family, and I see, I think there's some women in there who would have benefited from not being in relationships, but they just couldn't leave because where would they live, literally? And then, um, yeah, your career just can't leave you. You can always leave your career. You can always change your mind and live a million lives is that if that's what you want but then it would be up to you yeah, yeah i think that's the most important thing okay let's move on to the loves your life selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So your first love... I don't think we've had a mode of transport before. Um, <laughs> tell us why you've chosen this. What is I think it? this is the best 
invention, like I remember where I was in life when I saw this for the first time. I was in Paris and I just could not believe my eyes. I felt like a child in a candy store. It's these um, electrical scooters mm-hmm. <laughs> that are all over the city. I don't know, they're a little restricted here in London. But where I live in Stockholm, you can kind of take them anywhere. Really? Yeah. It's just so convenient and it's so fun and it's quick. It's uh, just honestly, it brings me so much joy to be standing on an electrical scooter on a sunny day mm. and just going somewhere. Like I love to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to be in the car on the way to something or I love to be on the plane like the feeling of of <laughs> the feeling of just like going somewhere is really exciting to me and then to do that on a scooter come on like what's not to love it's easier than a bike yeah you just stand there i love that i don't have to be responsible for it when i'm done i'll just park it in its place and i'll just leave it there and um i think it's absolutely excellent and i think it works extra well in stockholm because it's a city built for bikes yeah so yeah. i was gonna say because you have cycle lanes yeah. and all that kind of stuff so yeah. it's safe it's very safe yeah, yeah. in london it's a little mm, bit more complicated I yeah think. and there's a lot more people here and there's yeah. a lot of small roads and you know those alleys and and all of that but in stockholm it's just it's just perfection and what do you make of public transport do you avoid it if you can um yeah, I, I get really anxious on the train mm. and the tube. Like in London, for example, whenever the tube stops mm-hmm. in between stations, mm. which it does all the time, mm-hmm. but every time <laughs> it does, I'm like, I'm never getting off. Oh, oh this no. Is it. This is it. And That's then I do that for about 20 seconds and then it starts moving again. I'm like, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then if it stops again, I'm like, oh yeah. my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> no, I think I'm, oh no, that's stressful. Yeah, that's I think stressful. I'm fine with that. <laughs> that's good. I, yeah. But um, I would much rather take the electrical scooters over any sort of um, tube or bus or taxi or Uber like sometimes when I'm going to an interview, they're like, should I put you a taxi? And I'm like, no, I'll take the scooter. <laughs> yeah, I'll just take it nicer. anywhere. It is nice. And uh, But I'm lucky though. The tube in Stockholm, it's a lot of it is over the ground. Yeah. 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 Most public transport is better when you're not in London, <laughs> particularly in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And your second love is a condiment. Mm-hmm. I keep saying condiment. Is it a condiment? I, I think, think so. I think so. Um, a sauce. It's You know, it's sauce. everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> it should be Tell us in about everything it. on everything <laughs> soy sauce i don't know who came up with it <laughs> many 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 years ago somewhere in asia it was a genius who just said yeah let's like ferment these beans and what came out of it was just liquid gold to me <laughs> <laughs> when did you when did you begin your love affair with soy sauce? I think I've always it, had it. Really? Even yeah. as a kid? Because it's a very like particular taste for a young Is it? I think so. What very is salty. it about? It's salty, yeah. it's like a little umami. Yeah. Um It's a sophisticated flavor. No. No. <laughs> I think I think we've always been very um Swedish people love Thailand for some reason. And basically in any sort of um East Asian food, it would be some sort of soy sauce. Um, 
maybe not Vietnamese as much, but you know, I love Thai food. I love Chinese food. I love Japanese food. I lo- like, I just love that. And I feel like karma in my life is that I'm with a man who is really allergic to soy. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, so. <laughs> how do you navigate that? Can you just not eat it around him? No, no, no. I, I do. Okay. And I do take him to restaurants, like my favorite Japanese spot. And I'm just like, you're just going to have to have the chicken with no seasoning and white rice because I'm, I, I'm, I have to have all this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it's even just a white rice with soy sauce. Yeah. Just, just and it just adds so mm. much to it. Um, that's really where my heart's at. If there's a dish that has like soy in it, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. How do you navigate eating when you're traveling and you're on tour and you're constantly kind of moving around? Because that Mm. I think is so difficult to maintain any kind of routine. Yeah. It is for me just generally in life, having a routine, but I'm such a creature of habit. So if I know that I like something, I will just kind of stick with that. Mm. Um, And then a noodle is always kind of safe. And then um, when you're out on the road, though, specifically in America, it's kind of hard because at least I'm not a vegan because that's tricky. You know, in certain places, when you're out next to the highway, there's Popeye's, Taco Bell and McDonald's, you know, but... I I think do you it, end up eating that or do you bring your own stuff? No, I would I would not bring my own stuff. But I I think the the kind of tour managers that we've that I've had over the years have been very good at like I don't mind eating fast food as long as I get like a salad as well. You know? I'm never too hard on myself like oh I can't eat that, I can't eat that. I've never had that. But if I only eat like fast food for a week, oh you'll feel gross. You yeah. feel gross yeah. and also like, okay, well, if Popeye's was all they had, then I'll take that and I will make like a smoothie, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. But um, yeah, that one is a little tricky. But I think um, there's o- there's always like a, a little Chinese spot mm. wherever you're at, I feel like. So always look for that. Always yeah. follow that's... the soy sauce. <laughs> It's a good strategy. I I mean, I can't, I I can't cook really. And so soy sauce is my kind of go-to ingredient for any dish. I'm like, it's instantly going to make it taste. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Can you cook? No. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very quick answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Um, Okay. And your third love. um, I think there are a few different things you could say for this, but I think I'm going to lean towards performing. Um, Not a surprise. Yeah, and you, yeah. you kind of touched on this earlier, and you know, you've said that entertaining people and making them happy is kind yeah. of like your goal in life. It really is. What What is it about that 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 makes you so happy? And and do you get that the most when you are on stage, and like in front of a crowd of people? Mm, I feel really being being on the stage is quite a a vulnerable place, but I also feel really powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, just like anything can happen. And I think it's such a beautiful moment. I also love to be in the crowd. I love to watch concerts. I love to watch shows, theaters, movies, like anything. I love to enjoy what, whatever is happening in front of me. Um, because you are creating such a, a magical experience for people. And I think music, maybe sports in there a little bit but music is just different it's just primal in a way that it will 
it's almost like a spiritual thing, being together with thousands of people and enjoying a song and singing along with them at the same time. It just really does something to you. Um, I think it is a spiritual thing. And yeah. I also think there's something very special about it now because when we are in this very kind of digital world, we've kind of lost a lot of the things that I think would make us feel like that mm -hmm. before we had smartphones, mm -hmm. before we communicated on WhatsApp, before mm -hmm. we had Instagram. And it's like going to a festival and seeing a gig, mm. performing and being like having that kind of unity is one of the kind of last remaining things yeah. that we hold on to. And sure, everyone's there with their phones yeah. or whatever, but you're still, you're all there together. Yeah. And I don't think that's thing. ever gonna go away. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, we might be standing with our VR goggles <laughs> in a few years in our rooms, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I still we we want that connection with other people and seeing a video and you can see that there's probably like millions of other people who have enjoyed it. It's not the same as enjoying it with other people. Um, so I just think it's incredible that I have gotten like the opportunity to be that vessel, I guess, in a way of um, people experiencing great things at least for a moment and um i think that also this stretches over like i just love to make people feel really good i love to make my friends laugh i'm such a clown to the point sometimes where i'm like <laughs> be serious but you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. be serious for one second um but I just think life is about having a great time. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I feel now, being 25. I'm like, I just want to have a great time. Mm. And do you have kind of role models of, of female musicians and performers? I mean, Beyonce is my number one. She's just untouchable to yeah. me. She really is something. <laughs> I mean, what can I even say? Yeah. It's also incredible that she is you know, so deep into her career and she's still peaking and she's still relevant. Not only relevant, but she's still the number one. Yeah, setting the agenda. She really is. Then, yeah. She's shifting the culture. Yeah. She is not following whatever's going on right now. She's telling us this is what's going on right now or this is what will be going on mm. after I release my album and I'm doing this tour. So that's just a talent in itself, I think. And then also that voice and she just has the star quality of of being so i guess you could say natural but she puts in the work mm. you know oh, she yeah. she's not just waking up and like going on stage and doing that ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. She really puts in the work, but it makes it seem so natural and seamless. Um, yeah, I she's my number one. And then I just love women with big voices. I grew up listening to Celine Dion, um, Whitney Houston, Christina Aguilera. Those are my four like number one girlies. And um yeah, I just I'm just so happy that I get to do this. Mm -hmm. 
And do you have, finally, do you have any kind of like standout memories from performing in front of a crowd? And like, is there any one song in particular that you really love performing mm. and like any kind of, yeah, standout moments for you? I think I, I love to perform um, a lot of the album tracks that isn't as popular because it just feels fun and special to me. And to see the people who knows those tracks that aren't necessarily like the hits, it's really fun because I don't get to do them as much as like Symphony, for example. Yeah. But it is so nice to sing a song like that because the majority of the crowd just sings along with you. So that's a different kind of um, experience and like feeling when I do that. Uh, I really love all of my songs. Um, and I think a really good experience that I've had, hmm... When I was doing my tour in South America, specifically Brazil, was just, what are they doing over there? <laughs> like, what's I think, just, I think they're just happy. Yeah, I mean, what's <laughs> happening? Yeah. Because that crowd, sometimes like, I feel like Swedish people are a bit, maybe just a little bit shy. It's not that they're not enjoying it, but maybe they're a bit concerned about like, oh, I don't want to be too loud. Because I might disturb the person who's next to me. Or I don't, you know, it's, yeah, it's very like, oh, don't mind me, you know, yeah, 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 um, yeah. that kind of culture. So I think Swedish people enjoy music a lot. We just don't express it like the people in South America because they go in. They came to have a good time and you can feel that. So uh, the festivals in um, Argentina and Brazil have have been yeah they're just up there yeah. you know i no one's really touching them as of now i need to go i need to yeah. go yeah. um that is it for today thank you so much for listening you can listen to all episodes of love lives on all major podcast platforms you can also watch us on independent tv all connected devices and all major social media platforms i will see you soon bye